Hi, I'm Mark with Samaritan's Well, and today we're talking about strategies for social anxiety. A lot of you may have heard of social anxiety. There's really two primary kinds of social anxiety. Uh, just reading kind of from a definition, a person with social anxiety disorder would have frequent anxiety, panic, or significant discomfort in a social situation. Then they would want to avoid that situation and would enter that situation with a lot of distress. The second specific type is anxiety around public speaking. So one are social settings. Another one is anxiety around public speaking. And these tend to build on themselves if they're not if they're if you're not if you're not working on it. So what happens is I have a little bit of anxiety this time and maybe now I'm more afraid the next time I go into this situation and the anxiety kind of builds. So I want to talk about some strategies to help with this. And the first thing I want to consider is that just understanding what fear is. Fear is a reaction to a perceived danger. So, of course, that's going to have a lot to do with the things that have went into your life to build fear. For example, someone with a fear of public speaking, it may the fear may have first started when they worked hard for that third grade book report. They get up in front of the class and stumble on a word and everybody laughs at them. Or maybe, worst case scenario, the teacher makes fun of them when they're doing something publicly speaking and so it instilled that seed of fear and it's kind of built on itself over time through avoidance through not facing the fear etc but fear is a reaction to a perceived danger we're trying to differentiate in life between a true fear or a true danger and a spiritual a, a fear that's more based on something that's going on spiritually and so in 1 John 4.18, we get a great understanding spiritually of fear and what's going on behind the scenes. It says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment or torment. Now, we understand that anybody that's been plagued with fear, it's very, very tormenting. One lady who had went to uh, a, a weekend or a week-long marriage retreat, she and her husband went to get some counsel from this minister named Henry Brandt, and they came in and started talking about her anxieties, her fears. She was almost to the point of staying only at home and isolating herself from the world because the fears had gotten worse and worse. And in the first few minutes of their counseling. Dr. Brandt said, who do you need to forgive? And she got offended and she just wanted to just storm out. But he said, before she stormed out, he said, just take a few minutes and see if there's someone you need to forgive because often fear is connected with unforgiveness. So she was offended, but just to prove him wrong, she went down to the lake and spent a few minutes saying, God, is there anyone that I need to forgive that I haven't forgive? And she wrote him a letter a few weeks later, and she said, as she prayed, God brought to mind her uncle and her dad that she hadn't forgiven for something. And as she walked through that to specifically forgive them, she found over the next few weeks, her fears just began to lift. 
So we want to remember this great principle that perfect love casts out fear to start with. So I always talk with people, do you have any offense? And we'll explore it towards others, towards yourself, or towards God, because that will create anxiety. Now we understand that if there's a spirit of fear working, and the Bible does identify a spirit of fear, it's not necessarily related to any true danger. So if there's a spirit a spirit of fear working, we understand from James chapter 4, it says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. Jesus literally talked to trees. He, he said, speak to the mountain. So we could speak to fear and we could say, I have nothing to fear. I rebuke the spirit of fear. That's a great way to start. But I just wanted to tell you about that principle to start with. Now, a second principle that's really important for social anxiety is to bring some other people in your support system in on it. Um, in James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So you bring them in not just to... Uh, for this, for the prayer for you, which is wonderful, but also just for the support. I need some help in overcoming this fear. It's public speaking. It's coming to church. It's going to even the grocery store or whatever. And so you ask them for support. It says confess your faults. It specifically doesn't say sins. Faults is much broader. A fault is is like a lapse, a side slip, a deviation. It can include an offense or a sin or a trespass, but it could just be a bad habit. I've got a bad habit of smoking in the closet, you know, once a week or something like that. And you confess it because you want help getting free. So that's a second step that will help with social anxiety, but it will help with any fault that you have. A third step is I just want you to think about it's like training wheels. We're not trying to get on the motorcycle and get to fear-free land in 30 seconds. It's like we're putting training wheels on the bicycle and we're taking little steps. So I already said getting support from your friends will really help. And, and just taking little steps forward is huge. You do have to keep taking a little risk, though. You don't have to take the giant risk of, oh, I want to go speak to a thousand people, you know, to overcome my public speaking. No, you might just do a speech, do a five-minute talk to your friends or join Toastmasters or something like that. But you do need to take steps forward, little steps forward. And it's just small risk. You might say hi to the person at the checkout. You might make eye contact with that person that you meet at church. You might linger for a moment and, and just have a small conversation. All of those things are going to be pushing that limit for you and challenging the, the message inside that says, oh, I can't overcome this fear. It's vital that you challenge the message in that way. But with little steps, don't get trapped in, oh, I've got to leap over the Grand Canyon all at once. No, you can hike down the trail and come up the other side. It's just going to take a lot more steps than evil Knievel jumping over it. Okay, I want to give you a specific strategy that helps a lot of people. We're going to call this the director's chair strategy. With temptation or things that you're afraid of, what you do is you take a few moments 
and you pull yourself back from that scene that you've been in, maybe it's just thinking about, oh, I can't even go to church this Sunday or I can't go to that meeting at the school board because I'm too afraid I was too afraid last time. You pull yourself back into this virtual director's chair and you look at the scene and you and I would say, Mark, what made you afraid of this? What are the pieces and parts that that you seem to be afraid of? Remember, Mark, fear is a reaction to a perceived danger. So here I am, the director, and I'm going, what's the danger? What is the specific danger? So I'm asking that question, and I'm trying to get some understanding that when I'm in the moment, it might be hard to see. So I'm really kind of trying to pull back, put myself in the director's chair, ask the key questions. I can do this with someone else too, a friend or a support system or a mentor or a counselor. I'm wondering why I'm so afraid of this, and they might help you talk through some things too. So the director's chair strategy is good. So the next step, the next step is breathe and go. So just taking a moment to consider that one of the most simple things you can do to help you relax is is taking a really deep breath in through your nose, holding it for a few seconds, and releasing it real slowly through your mouth. So it's... I do the leaky tire. Do it two or three times. It helps you to relax. But I said breathe and go because I mean like if you're in the car about to go in, help relax your body with with just breathing and slowing down and then go, right? It can help. Part of the training wheels may be, oh, a friend went with you today. Okay, so a friend went with you and you take that step. There's nothing to be ashamed of, of taking little steps. It's just that you have to keep moving forward. And big picture, if you find yourself really struggling to move forward, then you might need to get some counsel or get some help from someone to help you get to the bottom of some of the fears, maybe the bottom of some of the unforgiveness. You might even just be mad at yourself at this point because, oh, it's been three months or three years since I've done this or that or the other. So we have to help you overcome that unforgiveness. Now, I want to tell you just for a moment that there was a passage in Scripture where David was greatly distressed. It says, 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, For the people spoke of stoning him, like the worst day of his life, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons, for his daughters. They had all been kidnapped suddenly. Of course they were grieved. And David, on his worst day, it says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, maybe, perhaps, one of the ways he encouraged himself is like we see in Psalm 42, 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you afraid, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. So I hope this encourages you with some pieces and some strategies for fighting anxiety, for fighting social anxiety and fear. And I just want to say, 
God has made you an overcomer. It's just finding that path of overcoming that God has for you. I pray that's a blessing for you. And remember, you can always reach us at SamaritansWell.com.